where else would you rather be than right here, right now? For Bills fans. By Bills fans. Only Buffalo is going to win it. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones. This is pandemonium. Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. And welcome back for another edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn alongside Alex Jones. As we talk Bills training camp and more, so the Bills have been at St. John Fisher now here in week two. Um, just from what you've seen, what you've read, obviously neither of us have been able to make it out there. Tickets were gone before I could even take a look. Uh, what's your thoughts so far, at least on the outside looking in, Alex? Yeah, I think it's been a pretty successful camp so far. I mean, no, no, um, nothing that'll keep anybody out time, which is always good. And I think it kind of allows the players to start. Yeah, and uh, it'll be curious to see just over the course of camp. I mean, there's been some position battles. Uh, you know, we alluded to them when we were starting to preview camp and everything. And I think one of the questions is, based on some reps, that let's start out in the defensive backfield. Kyir Elam, who did not start the last season, he was beat up by fellow rookie Christian Benford. He's gotten more reps with the ones. And I'm wondering if they're just trying to test him and see if this guy's ready, if there's someone who could start or at least rotate more frequently than he did last season. Uh, yeah, Kair Olam is going to be one of the ones I'm really interested in watching, Brad, during the preseason games. Um, McDermott has said multiple times throughout this, both all of the seasons as a coach, but especially this preseason, that he makes his young guys really earn and prove that they deserve to have the keys to the kingdom. Yes, a lot of Bills and younger players have started for the Bills over the years, but I think it's a three-horse race right now. You know, Christian Benford is just a really good – he just he, – he's just a skilled cornerback. That's why he got the start last year as a six-round Um, Same thing with Dane Jackson. Dane Jackson just – I feel like sort of in the Levi Wallace mold of, like, he's not a guy who's going to pop off the tape athleticism or his physicality. But what he does is he just does all the little things right, right? He just does the things that you need to do as a professional correctly. And he can make up for some of those deficiencies with overall technique. Um, so I think right now it's a three-fourth race. And it's going to be, I think it's really going to come down to um, pre-season games who ends up winning the ch- uh, that starting spot. Yeah, and it's so funny that a lot of people will poo-poo and look away at these preseason games because the games themselves don't mean anything, but they do mean something a lot. They help you get something on film. They help you with these type of position battles, um, and you know they kind of help you figure things out as you get set to play the real games at the start of week one in uh, mid-September. Yeah, and it allows you to, to see 
Because the thing about football is that's so interesting from really any other sport is preseason, everything else, you can kind of see how a player is going to do. Or, you know, in practice, you get the general feel for guys. In football, it's like we need to see the live fire, right? We need to see how this guy's going to react when there is another human being who's not on his team in front of him trying to hit him. When there's somebody who wants to do him harm going against him. And so I'm legitimately, that's why I think so many teams, you know, there was a lot of talk of, oh, let's just eliminate the preseason. But in all honesty, teams need that to evaluate and see how guys are going to do when the bullets are flying, when the pressure's on and everything's under a microscope. Let's go ahead and flip to the offensive side of the ball here because, uh, you know, there's a notable face who's not on this Bills offense this year, and that's Devin Singletary, a guy that, you know, he came out the year after Josh in 2019 and was good, but I never thought he was great. He never had that next-level speed. He never had that next-level finesse. He was good, but he was never great. I wish him all the best in Houston, but you have a guy who popped at Georgia, a guy who was part of that first of back-to-back national titles with the Bulldogs, um, a guy who started out with a fumble on his first carry in the NFL. It got better from there, and we saw signs of what the Bills, I think, saw out of him coming out of Georgia. How do you feel about James Cook in that backfield without Singletary? you got Damian Harris in here now, Latavius Murray. I know he's an aged veteran, but he's still hanging around. How do you feel about this Bills backfield this year, Alex? I'm excited to see what they can do. Damian Harris is backed in the red zone and in short yardage are some of the best in the NFL. Um, so that'll save Josh's body a lot rather than doing that. Rather than uh, using him on those short yardage, you can use Damian Harris, who's one of the most efficient and effective uh, running backs within two yards of whatever line you're trying to get to. Um, and James Cook, from all reports, has been lighting up training camp you know he's looked incredibly good and it's one of those times where it's like you can see why the bills went after this guy it makes a lot of sense he's a multifaceted guy and i mean i am i sad to see Devin singletary go i i always enjoyed motor motor is a guy who i personally think is going to be in the league for like 12 or 13 years exactly i feel like he's going to be one of those guys that you Similar to a Latavius Murray, where you're like, oh my gosh, when was he drafted? Wait, he's a like 15 year vet, and it's because he runs the a low impact style. He, you know, he does everything. He'll get you a first down. He'll make two guys miss on the way. You know, he's not a world beater where he's going to break away and score an 85 yard touchdown. But Devin Singletary is the guy who can you know make those short um, short advances happen. However, I. I think just looking at what we have, I would not be shocked as well if they don't like what they see from Latavius Murray if around the final preseason game the Bills make a move for another backup running back, maybe in a trade or something along the lines or picking up off the pile of guys who got cut who maybe a team trying to sneak onto their practice squad. Uh, and I think the the Cook uh, and Harris is going to be a real nasty combination going forward. 
All right, so let's talk about wide receiver. Um, and not so much wide receiver per se, but slot tight end Dawson, uh, Dalton Kincaid, who they traded up, took him out of the University of Utah. And uh, I think a guy who came in, you know, he's got solid hands, and that's the praise and everyone's giving him uh, through camp so far. So my bigger question with Kincaid seeming to fit into the offense nicely so far, so of what we've heard out of camp What's his ceiling this year? I mean, I feel like folks are getting a little bit ahead thinking, you know, we got the next Chris Kelsey. There's one, there's only one Chris Kelsey. And two, this guy's a rookie. Um, what do you think the ceiling realistically would be on Dalton Kincaid this year? I genuinely think, uh, and I mean, I put some money on this. Uh, if you live in a state where you can put prop bets up on things that are voted on, which I just learned you're not allowed to do in the state of New York, which is incredibly interesting. Um, I would put, right now, uh, Kincaid is plus 4,000 to win Rookie of the Year, and I'd throw 10 bucks on that. That's going to be $400 if it hits. Sure. And I'm, I think he has a shot at doing it. If these rookie quarterbacks come out and do what rookie quarterbacks normally do, um, I, I think the upside on Kincaid is, he, is he more than likely going to be like 550 yards, six TDs, 40 catches? Yeah, I'd be, I think that's probably likely. However, um, I also think he has the upside to really, really, really make a huge impact in his offense. He's exactly the type of weapon that Josh Allen loves. He's also just the type of guy, he comes in already matured. Everything we've heard from camp, all the reports say that he's smooth in route running. He's had a bunch of big chunk plays. Um, and so it, it'll it be very interesting to see what he does in his rookie season. If we're, you know, betting odds, a 4,000, a plus 4,000 at rookie of the year on a guy who's going to an already established, incredibly aggressive passing team, I would not be shocked if if Kincaid can get hot or if there's any sort of injuries to the wide receiver group, if Kincaid doesn't have, a honestly, a record-breaking season. Well, and it's funny. We've heard Sean McDermott put it out there that, you know, he said they want Josh to run less. Well, I think he'll run less, one, if he gets the protection he needs from his offensive line. And number two, if he has more safety valves, if you will, to throw through. You know, he's not just having a target of Stephon Diggs, not trying to go downfield and take the, you know, the head off the defense there with a Gabe Davis, but, you know, being able to throw to a guy, you know, a guy in the slot like Shurfield, like Shakir coming into his second year, like a guy like Dalton Kincaid. I like the pieces that they brought in this season along with growing some of the seeds they planted last year, like I said, and guys like Khalil Shakir. A hundred percent, and it's one of those it, 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 Shakir, who from all reports has had a tough camp so far, um, it's going to be interesting to see if he is able to, you know, even stick with the roster. There's a lot of talent on this roster in the receiving um, in the receiving core. There's a lot of people stepping up. Apparently, both Sherfield and uh, um, um, the from the CD guy have been excellent. Deontay Hardy. Yes, Hardy. That's what I thought it was, but I didn't want to take a shot. Um, Only Shorter has been playing, our fifth-round pick has been playing very well on special teams. So it, it, there's a crowded, crowded room at wide receiver right now. 
And if Khalil Shakir doesn't pick it up in the preseason games, he might see himself on the way out of Buffalo. Well, and I think part of what's interesting about Shakir is he could be a guy that they could use as, you know, either kick return or punt return because uh, when Naheem Hines out for the season, someone's got to step into that role. And we've heard the names like Hardy, like Shakir, that that might be his chance to make the roster. A hundred is one of those things where he, you know, if he takes that spot away from Hardy, Hardy was an all-pro um, was an all-pro kick returner leading up to that, you know, his time at, um, in, sorry, his time ending in New Orleans. If that guy is a guy who can really take that and fulfill that role on Buffalo, I, I don't know if there's a spot for Shakir on this offense. I mean, in all honesty, we have slot receivers. We have guys who can get open. Yes, Shakir was a fifth-round pick, but you know, at times he did show last year that he had a problem with drops. You know, at times there were very good catchable balls that he easily could have grabbed and just ended up dropping. Um, and so it's going to be, that's one I think that's a sneaky roster spot battle that not a lot of people are realizing. All right, let's shift back to the defensive side of the ball because one of the big news out of camp was uh, DeMar Hamlin out there practicing in pads again. This is the same guy who... Uh, on the second day of the new year, died on the field briefly before he was revived uh, by the Bills training staff. And to see him back out there, I, it says something about his character. I didn't think he'd ever take the field again after that freak accident that happened to him. I'm not even going to call it an injury. It's a freak accident. And here he is. He's out there. He's pushing. And he's trying to make an impact on this Bills roster. says a lot about his character. What do you think he adds on the field this year? I think he adds a lot, honestly. He's a guy who has a lot of skill on the field. He stepped in and played well um, when, when in his start last season, which not a lot of people expected him to be in. You know, he's a guy who, in all honesty, is is one of those who, you know, not a lot of people expected to make the roster, let alone have a starting spot, which he looked incredibly competent in. You know, he looked like a guy who could grow into a much longer starting role after Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer at times looked like the heir apparent to Jordan Poyer last season. Um, so it, it's good to hear all the reports coming out. Um, and I'm going to be interested to see once the game starts, how he starts playing, because he's a guy who, if he can put it together on the field, he has a real shot at being something special and a really amazing story. You're listening to the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Of course, find us across our social media platforms at DHS Buffalo at TW Callahan DHS at Bills Bruiser. Find us on Facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House and, of course, at Draft House Sports.com. So let's talk about secondary. You mentioned Poyer. You mentioned Hyde. Aged veterans. We saw the injury bug who had bit hide a little bit in Green Bay, and that was one of the concerns when he had free agency and signed with the Bills. Um, it's we, you know, we can't predict injuries. We don't have that kind of a crystal ball. I wish we did. But 
at this point here, I, I'm very curious to see how they play because I think they build up enough depth that if either of those guys went out, they could lean on, you know, the, the DeMar Hamlins, you know, Christian Benford, should he play more safely? Uh, you know, let's not forget, uh, you know, Floyd, who they brought in from from the Rams there, they have a lot of depth at safety that they may be able to rotate guys and keep them fresh that if, you know, barring, you know, we'd hate to see Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer go out, that they can lean on that depth that they're rotating, that they're at less chance for injury because they're not on the field and getting the number of the snaps they used to because they don't have to. Yeah, and I think, too, adding a guy like Taylor Rapp from the Rams. And that's um, why I meant Taylor Rapp, not Floyd, both from the Rams, but, yes, Taylor yeah. Rapp. And, and and I think that Taylor Rapp is a guy who could – he's kind of a position flexible guy as well. He can play a few different positions on the field. He can do a few different things. Um, so I, I think having a guy like that would be a great opportunity for the Bills to have a guy who's a little flexible, who can go down in the box, who can be a third safety. Um, and, and uh, you know, they do have a lot of depth in that position – They've got a guy, a bunch of guys with position flexibility, um, and so it, it's really it, it's been a fun season to see these guys grow into um, you know bigger roles and expecting them to be something more than we thought or more than we expected. All right, so from you know all over the defensive secondary, we've gone. Let's talk about the line right now. Um, I know. Tim Settle, uh, you know, some minor injuries in camp. Hopefully he's okay. Um, someone at their house, full disclosure, lives down the street from us, had a birthday the other day. Happy birthday, Settle family. But, uh, you know, Tim Settle's a guy who um, I don't think he quite lived up to what we wanted him to see out of Washington. But um, if he can get healthy, perhaps he can help add some depth on the line this year. But I'm curious to see, you know, Greg Rousseau going into a third year, Boogie Basham going into a third year. And then, you know, we may not have Vaughn to start the season, but they do have Leonard Floyd, who they signed off the Rams, that I don't think they should be in any rush to return Vaughn Miller to the field, get him 100% healthy, uh, and lean on guys, like I said, like Basham, like Rousseau and like Leonard Floyd. Yeah, and you from what I've seen out of camp too, AJ Epinesa is looking really he looks contract like year, the, right? He looks like yep, contract year. He looks like he's in the best shape he has been as a Buffalo Bill. He had six and a half stacks last year on something like twenty percent usage or twenty percent snap share, which is a very good number. Um and so I, I'm excited to see what this group can do. This feels like the most talented group the Buffalo Bills have ever had at their collection of edge rusher. Maybe ever, honestly. I mean, the Mario Williams years, they had Mario, Jerry, Hughes, but it, it really feels like a collection of pure talent more than we've ever seen across the entire defensive line. The signing of Puna Ford is going to be you. really exciting. Uh, a pass rushing nose tech who's going to get really uh, is a really good penetrator. Daquan Jones on in the final year of his contract, local guy from just down the road in Johnson City, New York, and he is one of the best, if not the best, run stuffers in the league. Ed Oliver signing his new contract looks like he's ready to roar. roar. Um, and then 
as the season goes along on Miller. So this unit seems very poised for a really, really good run this year. Another guy I'm really interested in seeing how he plays in the preseason is DJ Day. Rapid free agent out of Alabama. And it just feels like the Buffalo Bills are really adept at finding those guys at Alabama who were just like, he was a walk-on and he became a starter. And, you know, DJ Dale didn't get a huge share of snaps last season for the Crimson Tide. But when he was in the game, he was successful. So he's a guy I think the Bills are going to try to sneak onto their practice squad, expect him in a year or two to really step up. Let's go back to Puna Ford. And I've said it before on this that I feel like he's Star Latulele 2.0, a, a guy who can eat up bodies on the line and allow a finesse player like, you know, Ed Oliver to go ahead and get into the backfield here. I think he's going to be an integral part of defensive line, completely different strategy-wise than we've seen out of some of the tackles in the past where, like Star, who, you know, we missed for the entire 2020 season because he opted out, a guy who can really just absorb bodies and allow guys to break loose. I have to, uh, I tend to disagree on that, Brad. Just Puna Ford is a, I, I would agree, Daquan Jones is very much that nose tackle. Um, the guy who eats sure. up two blocks, really stuck the run. Um, Puna Ford is a very aggressive pass rusher. He's, he is one of the premier pass rushing one techniques in the NFL. I won't disagree. Um, I'm, 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 and I'm not saying he has the skill set of, uh, Lele, but someone who's still that big-bodied guy who can still fill space but can get after him. I would not be shocked if usage is just on second and long and third downs where you expect passing. Um, simply because that's what his skill set is so he's so skilled at. Is he's skilled at rushing the passer at getting through the middle. Um, in some interesting line combinations that have been going on. Um, the one seemed to be, uh, it was Leonard Floyd and Groot at defensive tackle, and then Kuna Ford and AJ Epinesa, I believe, was the right end, which was an interesting combination of moving um, Greg Rousseau inside to really force the issues with guards because of his length and his speed. He is incredibly difficult to guard for guards. Um, so, uh, you know what, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch how they move people around, what chess pieces they use. Um, and I'm excited because this is probably the most talent we've had along the defensive line. And so the expectations are incredibly high. And if they do not succeed, it's going to be one of those times where we kind of have to look at Brandon Bean and his staff and be like, Maybe they don't know how to evaluate defensive line because that's been a knock against them since since they've had a hard time finding and holding on to skilled defensive linemen, and so it's going to be interesting to see um, if this unit has because if they don't, it's going to be it's probably to line job as defensive line coach and honestly probably someone within the front office's job because you know it, this is a thing we really need to fix if we're not successful again here all right uh big story at linebacker not matt milano 
No, it's uh, who fills the shoes for Tremaine Edmonds. Pretty obvious question here uh, with him going into free agency, and I don't think it was ever a knock against Edmonds, um, but it was the fact that, you know, limit on cap space, the market really dictated a sizable contract. Franchising him didn't make sense. They let him walk. I don't know what you've read or seen so far, but how do you see the middle linebacker position filling out? Is it going to be the rookie out of Tulane? Is it going to be a guy like Powell who's been here for a couple of years? How do you see that position filling out? So right now it seems to be a three-horse race. Um, Terrell Bernard and um, I'm sorry, my brain's blinking. Um, so Dorian Williams has gotten zero snaps at middle linebacker. At starting middle linebacker, um, so I wouldn't be I would be very much shocked if he starts the season as the Mike, uh, Tyrell Dodson, and uh, Bernard Terrell Bernard are two three picks right now at middle linebacker, um, and it seems like Terrell Bernard and Dodson are the t- are the two front runners, um. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two. Bernard is more of a rangy, fast backer, whereas Dotson's more of like a run-stopping thumper. Um, and Dotson coming up on a contract year as well. Um, undrafted free agent on Texas A&M versus Bernard, who is a third-round pick. Um, it, it, oh, and Balen Spector. Balen Spector, seventh-round pick last year, is the other one yes. in the competition. Um, it's kind of a mix of the three, right? Because Dodson has the mental sort of that thumper aspect, almost like a um, Berard is very rangy, athletic, similar to Matt Milano. And then Balen Specter is kind of one of those dudes who he's an athletic freak. Like his RAS score from his draft year is like his athleticism stuff was crazy. Um, he just doesn't have the size you look for from a middle linebacker. Only six foot, weighing in about 25. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see as we've talked all this, basically this whole podcast about how things play out in the preseason because that's where the questions are going to get answered, right? In those preseason games, we're going to see, hey, who do they prefer at middle linebacker? I would not be shocked if game one of the preseason, they start out with Tyrell Dodds in there. Um, but I have a dark horse. I think Valen Spector might have a good shot at this. He feels like one of those old, you know, just an Iowa linebacker who you're like, man, he went in the seventh round. How is he a starter? And it's like, well, he just works out like a fiend and does all of his things right. You know, he's just a dude who's always around the ball. All right. Um, one thing that we have not discussed, and it's time to, Stefan Diggs. You know, there was so much specula- speculation, what's wrong? And I think it was what a lot of Bills Mafia thought was wrong, is he was upset the way they ended. That was it. I probably didn't linger as long as everyone else thought it did because no one knew what was going on. You know, he's back. He cleared the air last week, and I like what he said. Whatever Sean McDermott was dealing with at camp on Wednesday, he was out, and uh, Dig said <laughs> he was very concerned that Sean McDermott was not at practice. So, uh, you know, I, I I think everyone drove themselves a little bit nuts with what they weren't hearing out of Diggs, and what we heard was what we've always heard of him. He's a hardworking guy, has a great chemistry with Josh, he wants to retire a bill. Feels very good to have him back and in the lineup. Yeah, and it, it's 
it, it feels like one of those non-stories where, you know, people kind of rampant, like, um, there's a great quote from the, from the show Parks and Rec where it's like, we're going to, we're going to come back and rampantly, uh, speculate what you meant by that. And it's like, that's kind of what, uh, a lot of the sports media is into is rampant speculation reaction and then taking one little little nugget and exploding it into this huge thing all right we've talked about you know wide receiver we've talked about back um before we get into quarterback because how can we not discuss quarterback when you have a guy like josh allen but tight end how do you see Dalton Kincaid fitting in here? That I, I feel like he's still going to be the same piece that he's been, that you know Kincaid is going to operate from the slot, and we're going to see Kincaid more the traditional, the blocking tight end, the guy who, who you know can get open, you'll find in the end zone there, that I think a two-tight end mix here is going to be huge for this Bills passing game. Yeah, I also think uh, Kincaid, unlike Knox, is going to be used a lot more in like, Hey, yes, we have two tight ends on the field, but he, we're him as a slot receiver um, because he has that skill set. He has the skill set, not as much of like uh, he is more of a skill set similar to like Aaron Hernandez, who's not really somebody you like to bring up for a lot of things. He was an incredibly skilled tight end. Um, you know, he was very gifted at being almost a slot receiver. You could bump him out in the slot, that Joker style um, tight end. And, and I think early in the season, we're going to see that more from Kincaid versus um, later in the season. I think they're going to move him in the box more when they trust his blocking. Um, so I, I see him as being a mix of tight end and slot receiver for the Bills in their offense. Third straight season, third straight with a new potential backup here. Uh, first, it was Trubisky. Last season, it was um, Case Keenum. And now Kyle Allen, who's good friends with Josh Allen. He's in as the backup. I'm sure Mac Barkley is just someone, a presence to have in that quarterback room. But really, I think, you know, it's the Allen and Allen show. Sounds like a law firm right here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure what to expect, and I hope it's like every season that we never have to see our backup play at any point other than garbage time. I, I agree. I, I think that Barkley's there just to bring on to the practice squad, you know, cut him, put him on the practice squad. And forget about it. Where you know he's a guy, he's a locker room guy, he's a guy Josh trusts, and, and just a good guy you like having on the practice squad who can do a lot of things for you and basically a glorified quarterbacks coach. Um, and so I think you know, again, you said it perfectly, Brad. You never hope to see your back quarterback except kneeling down or when you're up by fifty. Um, and so I, I like what you can see from Kyle Allen. He showed some some spunk and some moxie in the games. He's had you know a, quite a bit of action short career. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how much we see him this year and how or how little we see him this year. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House. We'll have more coverage covering training camp next week and more weekly episodes. Uh, so make sure you're following our work across all our social media platforms on Facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House at DraftHouseSports.com on Twitter at Bills Bruiser at TW Callahan at DHS Buffalo. For Alex Jones, I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. Go Bills.
This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Available on Spotify, Odyssey, Prime Music, Audible, or wherever you get your podcast. In our street media production.